Hello, I'm Hal Lublin. And I'm Mark Gagliardi. Since the dawn of humanity, one issue has gone unsettled. With the fate of the world in the balance, we're here to settle once and for all. Best movie car. That's right. Don't worry, everyone. We got this. Podcasts should have a theme song. Podcasts should not have a theme song. Yes, they should. No, they shouldn't. They sound good. Yeah, but people are just going to skip past it. Hmm. You know what? You're right. We got this. Well, Hal, we promised this one a while ago when we recorded Best TV Car. I don't know how many times in that episode, at least once, we went, oh, we got to do Best Movie Car. Or maybe that was just after the fact we mentioned that. But we're finally doing it, Hal. We're finally doing it. Yes. We how are you, my friend? I, 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 I'm so sorry I didn't, I didn't begin with, hello, how are you? We've been chatting for like 15 minutes already, so we just <laughs> jumped right in. I feel like people know we're actually friends, so yeah. we talk. Like, we'll talk right. on the phone, we'll talk via yeah. text. So we've already caught up. Like, we're perfunctorily catching up with one another. Like, we yeah. don't know what's going on in each other's lives and checking exactly. with each other. I just told you the whole gamut of my day. But now yeah. I feel like I've got to turn over from my spot at the band stand yeah. over to you at the desk. Because let's be honest, you're the one at the desk and I'm the one sitting with the band going, ha ha! I leaked out that. Come on. I'm fine. I want to point out before we jump into this that we had two people suggest best TV slash movie car. And Mm -hmm. I feel like we gave E. Clayton Harlan the second the lion's share of credit for best TV car. So we're going to give Christopher Beatty or Beatty, who submitted the same topic via email, the lion's share of the credit for best movie car. That's right. So Mr. Beatty slash Beatty, thank you for this topic. What a great idea you and you alone had. This is an interesting topic. Why do you say interesting? You, you <laughs> Why do you well, say it like that? The reason why is I'm not like a car guy. Right. You know? like, but I you're a movie I, guy. I love movies. And I, in thinking about it, I started thinking like off the top of my head, what are the iconic movie cars? Because I think one of the things that will make something the best mm-hmm. is the way it stands out. It is inextricably linked to its movie. You cannot think of the movie without thinking of the car. Not that there aren't cool – like, you know, Austin Powers has the Mini that he drives. Sure. That's the Union Jack flag Mm -hmm. or the British flag or or whatever. But it's not – like, it's a neat-looking car, but I don't think of it when I think of Austin Powers. That's like the 48th thing I think of when I think of that movie. Yeah, I think of, and when I think of Dumb and Dumber, I think of the bathroom scene, not necessarily the dog car. The Ford Econoline? That's right. <laughs> that one I think of a little bit, but I agree. Yeah. It's not even in it for the whole movie because they switched to the Vespa scooter. That's right. The little lawnmower cranked Vespa scooter. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think there are cars that are iconic, great movie cars, but there are other elements of the movie that you would think of long before you would think of that. Or it's just like one iconic scene. You know what I mean? Like the car from Thelma and Louise is that iconic final scene of Thelma and Louise. But that's really more about the relationship of the characters and not about what a car can do. I feel like there are a lot of Ford cars that are important to movies. That is a Ford Mustang mm-hmm. bullet, of course. is That's one maybe one of the most famous movie cars of all time is a 68 Ford Mustang. Mm-hmm. Let's see what other Fords. Uh, Mad Max, the original Mad Max, drives a 1973 XB GT Ford Falcon. 
That's right. 600 horsepower in that thing horsepower. in the movie. Yeah. And maybe the sneakiest Ford is mm-hmm. the 1992 Ford Explorers that are used on Jurassic Park. Ooh, I like that. Let me go back to the Mad Max car for a second. Sure. If you are living in a world where gasoline is so scarce that it's the plot of your movie, why are you driving a car that is 600 horsepower? <laughs> Doesn't that like show how scarce it like we all have cars like, yeah all of these gas guzzling cars which is what makes it so that like to have gasoline is such a huge deal because everybody needs it because they have yeah. these cars that burn through it so quickly it makes yeah. sense but also practically it's super dumb i agree yeah get the guy who has the 1978 honda civic and that guy's way that guy wins the whole movie i have a prius good luck catching me <laughs> <laughs> It's oh. really peppy. <laughs> My brother has a sticker on his Prius that says, quote, hey, bro, cool Prius, attributed to nobody, which I think is pretty fun. <laughs> has that on the back of his Prius. I like a Prius. I remember when uh, when the entire Trader Joe's parking lot was nothing but the Prius the year that it came out. Yeah, practically. And you still see many Priuses out of the road. Now it's more electric. Like I test drove an Priya? electric car. Priuses or Priya? Pri-i. Pri-a. 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 Oh, I that's my favorite ballet Pri-a. move. Next episode, best ballet move. Prie. Mmm. Grand jeté. <laughs> I test drove an electric car a couple weeks ago and I had this mm-hmm. like weird, very intense weekend where I was like, oh, I can get an electric car and not like it won't cost anything to me, like out of my yeah. monthly nut. Like the, my car payment will go down. I'm going to pretend like we haven't talked about this. Yeah. And that I didn't know that you had already been testing yeah. some electric cars. I'll be over here in the band section going, uh-huh. Sure. Uh-huh. Tell the people about what it was yeah. like driving an electric car, Hal. Go ahead and tune that dulcimer. Po- point being, <laughs> as soon as I test drove it, all of a sudden I saw every single Ford Bolt that was out on the yeah. road. Like, oh, so yeah. every other car. But that's, uh, that's the Chevy way our Bolt. minds work. Yeah. Oh, Chevy. That's right. Yeah. See, if the dream died so fast, I forgot the manufacturer. <laughs> yeah. If it was a Ford Bolt, guess what? That would have absolutely been the champion of the gasoline wars of the original Road Warrior films. Yeah. Oh, but if it, when it gets hot out, they don't charge. It's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> How do you want to do this? Do we want to talk about the cars that we think there are a few where I think we have a couple of choices? Mad Max yeah. is one of them. Mm hmm. I would there say are, that, like there are movies with a bunch of cars, you mean? Yeah. Like uh, to me, the two big ones would be the original Mad Max Ford Falcon. And then mm. from Fury Road, I would go with the Giga Horse, that two level car that <laughs> yeah. Joe is riding on. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can break it down like that. I think there's only a couple of movies that have, there are, there are car movies, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't know if, does that water down? You know what I mean? Like, if you go, it's this car from Fa- the Fast and the Furious franchise. Well, there have been hundreds of cars in the Fast and the Furious franchise. And I don't think about the Fast and the Furious as being a car movie. I think of it as being a lots and lots of cars movie. You know what I mean? For sure. But if I asked you right now, just like, let's just do this as an exercise. What sure. is the one car you think of when you think of Fast and the Furious? Dom Toretto's black car with the uh, engine yeah. exhaust on the hood. Whatever That's that is. Right. I the don't ni- know what The is. 1970 Dodge Charger. That's the Charger, yeah. Because that is fairly consistent throughout the movies. He always has some version of that that gets crazier mm-hmm. and crazier and more super powered. 
So I think that's going to be the way that we have to take a look at this then is from if we think of a movie, the most iconic car from it, like James Bond, he had that underwater car, but Mm -hmm. his his real car is the Aston Martin DB5. And he's had a different Aston Martin DB5 in multiple. There have been multiple iterations of it. And I would argue that we're also going to have to figure out which Batmobile is going to wind up in the finals because there are multiple Batmobiles. There's really three major Batmobiles, I think. There's the 1965. There's the Tim Burton original Batman. And then there's the tank from the Christopher Nolan ones. There's also Pattinson, which I think is also a modified Charger. There's also which one? The Robert, uh, Robert Pattinson in The Batman. Which oh, is a right. modified. I don't think that one is the one. I don't think it's as iconic. Like, yeah. No, I think, uh, and also you could count Batman Mask of the Phantasm and get the car yeah. from the animated series, which is, I, I wouldn't count the Batmobile from 1966, I think was that movie. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because it's really a television right. adaptation from television. They just brought it over. Same reason I wouldn't do the car from Starsky and Hutch because right. they just used the car that was on the TV show and mm-hmm. they had different actors driving around in it. Well, let's do this. Let's knock these out first then. Let's look at the films that have multiple cars uh, as opposed to the ones where there is a singular vehicle that you think of when you think of that movie. Let's take a look at the Fast and the Furious, pull one out of that. Let's take a look at the Batman Batmobiles, pull one out of that and then pick a DB5, I guess. So let's start with the Batmobiles. We started to go into it a little bit. I would argue, yeah, that there are those big three. Robert Keith Pattinson's, Pattinson. I'm sure, is great. I don't yeah. think it's the iconic, or actually, really, two. Yeah, we've got. I would say, no, I would say there's two okay. iconic ones, and that's the tank and the Tim Burton Batmobile. Yeah, which changed a little bit over time. It got a little more ridiculous, mm-hmm. but that original design from the '89 movie is pretty iconic. And the Tumbler, which is the Christian Bale version, mm-hmm. uh, is also really interesting. I think there is something about – there's always been something about the Batmobile that makes it this, like, larger-than-life car. But, like, yeah. not like the original or the very early kind of – not Silver Age, maybe even Bronze Age, in the Silver Age Batmobile mm. that had, like, the bat head on the front. Like, it's just very right. clear whose car it is. The Tumbler looks like and is a piece of repurposed military equipment. Yeah. So I really like Tim Burton's design. There's a lot I don't like about the Tim Burton Batman, that original one. Mm-hmm. There's a lot I do like. Like, I still enjoy it, but there are a lot of issues I have with it. The Batmobile is not one of them because I think it there is something to his visual sense that really it really works with. Feels like it's yeah. straight out of the comic book. Oh, oh, absolutely. I love that Batmobile. I think that if you hadn't seen either of the movies. If you hadn't seen Tim Burton's Batman, and if you hadn't seen any of the Christopher Nolan Batman, all of your Batman knowledge is zeitgeist absorbed. Right. You would not know that the Tumblr was a Batmobile. You would absolutely know that the the Tim Burton's Batmobile is a Batmobile. And I would argue one of the criteria that we can use for this episode is the silhouette. And you know... The silhouette, like all you have to see is the silhouette of that Batmobile and you know what car that is. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's going to be a few of those on this list. So I think that's an, that's an easy one. The Batmobile, uh, the Tim Burton 1989 Batmobile is definitely uh, going into the finals there with us. All right. Let's talk about Fast and the Furious. Is it Dom Toretto's, uh, charger? Has to be. Of course it's Dom Toretto's charger. That was easy. Yeah. And uh what was the other one that we were talking about? Oh, is uh, there a particular Bond. Aston Martin DB5? Do we go with Skyfall? The Skyfall was a throwback to the original. 
It was a throwback. Do we go, or we go with the Goldfinger DB5? Yeah, it's the original yeah. car is so, so iconic. Yeah. And so it's like a car you still want. I think that's part of it too, is like, if you could have this car, the car that goes underwater is neat, but it's so clearly that like boxy, really angular look to it. Yeah. It looks like that SUV that Tesla was going to make. The one they did make, the Cybertruck. They did make it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't. Oh, I thought that that was just, I thought that was just an aluminum foil prototype. Yeah. It looks like a school project, but it is. Yeah. It's real. And it looks like the school, it looks like a school project for a history class where someone said, Hey, uh, which one was it? The monitor or the Merrimack? The monitor, make the monitor look like a modern car. That like absolute old iron sides, one of those, that beast of a ship. But make it as weak as the Titanic. Yeah. Oh. Same material. Too soon. Too soon. True. All right. So we've got the DB5. We've got the Batmobile. Why don't we just throw out some that we... Look, I think there are a few. Based on my knowledge of... And this is... I think this could be a bit of a game between us right now. There are a few based on my knowledge of your particular film fandoms and my particular film fandoms that are we are both going to want to talk about. Okay. But until we get to those... I'm going to say three, and I bet that we haven't talked about yet. I'm going to bet that you can guess what those three are, you, Hal Loveland, and perhaps you, person of the world. But let's go back and forth before we get to those and throw out some that we may not have, that may not be necessarily on the metal podium as we begin. How's that sound? Sure. All right, you go first. All right, I'm going to start with the 79 Ford LTD Country Squire. The better known as the family truckster from National Lampoon's Vacation. <laughs> it's notable not only because it's it's a piece of garbage car, yeah, but that movie actually, I think it drove the sales of station wagons down. You're kidding. I'm pretty sure. I, it either sent them up or down. I feel like it sent them down because it's not portrayed well in that film. It falls apart. Oh yeah, and it's the whole the whole point of that first scene is them sell or him being sold. This terrible, terrible car. Yes. And then the whole movie takes place in that wagon. Yes. Which is barely in one piece by the time they make it to Wally World in California. It's so good. Yeah. And then the, that <laughs> it's flight across the desert is one of my favorite mm-hmm. uses of cars in a movie. <laughs> I love an action scene. I love an action scene involving a car in a movie in a comedy. You know what I mean? Yes. Cars being hilariously outlandish in a comedy is one of my favorite things. And we'll get to an example of that in a little while, I'm sure. Another For sure. Example. But just I think one of the, the reasons why I thought of it is, and I don't know that it's our winner, mm-hmm. but I think it's it fulfills some criteria that the best movie car must f- fulfill in my What's mind, that? which is essential to the plot, like integral. Mm-hmm. That specific car has some meaning to it. I think that should be some idea of it. Not like, oh, but it was a really nice car and it's in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Speaking of really nice cars in movies, everybody go to the website, Internet Movie Car Database, and you can find out where your car was in a movie. Turns out the Hyundai Kona was in Dora the Explorer. Yeah, that's right. My beloved Hyundai Kona, which I've gotten back now after a year of getting repairs done on it from the tree that landed on it, uh, was in Dora the Explorer. How? Your delightful Honda CV, CRV, CRV, yeah. Your delightful Honda CRV. What motion picture was that in? 
Oh, wait, what, what, uh, you told me and I forgot. What was it in? How about this? How about I tie you to a bed with a necktie and then you can tell me which movie oh, it was in? Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> what a weird movie for a Honda to show up in. <laughs> well, that movie is stylish and sexy and nothing says stylish and sexy and sophisticated man about town like the Honda CRV. Every time I hit the ignition, it goes, you turn me on. Sign this contract. <laughs> weird. Boo. Uh, all right so what was that one called the family huckster truckster truckster i'm literally reading my notes right now and i wrote truckster and it looks like huckster russ you know you know who sold it to him the family huckster sold him the family truckster yeah eugene levy that's right brilliant brilliant eugene levy performance all right i'll throw one out there actually i'm gonna throw two out there Mm. and i'm going to immediately pick one over the other one because one is good and one is evil of the oh. sentient cars. Uh, and I'm, of course, talking about Herbie the Love Bug and Christine. Sure. But if we're going with sentient cars, yeah. you can't beat. I mean, he's got Don Drysdale's number on the hood. He's red, white, and blue. He's the all-American German Volkswagen car. Yeah. Herbie the Love Bug. Deal. Yeah. And Christine will kill you. Yeah. 1958 Plymouth Fury. Plymouth Fury. Plymouth Fury. Yeah. Herbie, Herbie the love bug not only should be a serious consideration for the best, but it Mm -hmm. is one of the most iconic cars in movie history. Just the the number of films was that Herbie, Herbie goes bananas. There are in fact six Herbie movies starting in 1968 and going up through 2005. They are the love bug. Herbie rides again. Herbie goes to Monte Carlo. Herbie goes bananas. The Love Bug 1997, Love Bug minus one, kidding, and Herbie fully loaded. Yeah, that car's had a long film career. We haven't. And then there's, there's of course, Shin Herbie. (laughs) It's like the idea that Herbie and Godzilla are interchangeable. Herbie across the Herbie verse. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I love Herbie the Love Bug. He's he's got character. He's got personality. Like yeah. Kit, you know, which one best TV car? You he can all but talk to you. All right, but you know what Christine can do? Here's the freaky thing that Christine can do: murder, repair you? herself. That's true. You can't kill Christine. You can't kill Christine. She just like she just squeezes her dents out, like when you blow on a water bottle that you've smushed down, and it goes back to being a water bottle. Yeah, or like a cartoon character. Where they yeah, get exactly. Where they blow on their thumb. Exactly, like Judge Doom. Yes. Oh, well, the taxi from uh, Benny the Cab. Roger, Benny okay, the you cab. know what? Okay, b- before we go on to your we'll next one, then, this is another category. We'll do a quick category before we go to break. One more quick category version. Let's pick the best animated car. Before we go, let's pick the best animated car to take into the finals the way we did with Toretto's and with the Batmobile. I will throw out there, of course, Lightning McQueen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lightning McQueen and Benny the Cab. Are there other animated ones? You mentioned the Batmobile from Batman the Animated Series. But that's really a television. That yeah, that's TV series, yeah. Let's take it a TV car and putting it on. That's true. Film. Like their TV movies that they made. Those are the two main ones that kind of stick out to me. Yeah. As much as I love Benny the Cab, Lightning McQueen is the protagonist of multiple movies and yeah. learns lessons and yeah. wins races and falls in love and has a mentor and has catchphrases and is voiced by Owen Wilson. Who did the voice of Benny the Cab? Do we know? Also Owen Wilson, oddly enough. Get out of here, really. 
Hey, incidentally, if you ever need me again, just stick out your thumb. All right, bye, Roger. (laughs) We'll be right back. My name's Doug Duguay, and I'm here to talk about my podcast in the middle of the one you're listening to. It's called Valley Heat, and it's about my neighborhood, the Burbank Rancho Equestrian District, the center of the world when it comes to foosball, frisbee golf, and high-speed freeway roller skating. And there's been a Jaguar parked outside on my curb for 10 months. I have no idea who owns it. I have a feeling it's related to the drug drop that was happening in my garbage can a little over a year ago. And if this has been a boring commercial, imagine 45 minutes of it. Okay, Valley Heat, it's on every month on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. Check it out, but honestly, skip it. These are the Chronicles of the Rancho Equestrian District District, Burbank, California. California. These are the events taking place in my house around my house. Hello, sleepyheads. Sleeping with Celebrities is your podcast pillow pal. We talk to remarkable people about unremarkable topics, all to help you slow down your brain and drift off to sleep. For instance, we have the remarkable Neil Gaiman. I'd always had a vague interest in live culture, food preparation. Sleeping with Celebrities, hosted by me, John Moe, on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Night-night. All right, let's talk about some more cars. What else you got, Hal? Uh, here's another one that I think is an iconic car. I don't know if it's the best. What's that? Pontiac Trans Am driven by Burt Reynolds and Smokey and the Bandit. Oh, dude. I have that on my list. I've got Bandit on my list. Mm-hmm. Eastbound and down, loaded up and trucking, baby. It's the only one that can get the beer from Texarkana to those thirsty folks in Louisiana and beat Smokey in the process. How many people do you think painted a Pontiac bird on the hood of their car after seeing that movie? Oh, man, a ton. Hand painted. So good. <laughs> or get a decal. An iron-on. They put. Did iron they on sell them with that on there, or did you have to do it yourself? No, I think it was on there. They sold it with it on there. I don't think that. The, yeah, because it's the. It's a. The, yeah, part of the trans. I think it probably was a choice. Maybe I. I feel like I, that's not the only car I've seen have that. Maybe I'm having a fever dream. I don't know. Like, wait. So you're saying that other cars that aren't a Trans Am would put a Pontiac Eagle on the hood of the car? No, I'm saying I have scarlet fever, and I think all of this is a dream. Okay, Kingpin. Ooh. Well, look, you and I both know that you can take any car, go to Home Depot and buy some house paint and make it an awesome vehicle. Thanks to that. What was it I had back then? I think it was a red Volkswagen Golf. Was it? We painted flames on the side of it. It was like a soapbox derby car. That thing was amazing. I was trying to make it look like the Mirthmobile from Wayne's World. Not on the list. Honorable mention. Just an organic honorable mention for the Mirthmobile from Wayne's World. AMC Pacer. Oh, my God. Yeah, Bandit's great. All right. I'm going to throw out there. It's not the best franchise, and it's got some hit-or-miss movies, but the first one is a blast. And I think introducing the world to the live-action Transformers movie series with Bumblebee going from being a Volkswagen Beetle to being a souped-up Camaro who speaks entirely through song lyrics and snippets of sound through the radio of the sentient cars. I think that is one of the coolest. Now, do we ding Bumblebee for not being actually a car, for being an alien robot in disguise, if you will? I mean, you can count them as cars. You could pick whoever you want from those movies. I'm not a fan 
I think the only one I liked was maybe, maybe it was Dark of the Moon. There was one I was like, all right, this is just metal crashing into metal for 90 minutes. Fine. Like, there's just no break from it. It's just like the longest car crash in history. Yeah. That I'm listening to. And the cars are already smashed and exploded apart so you can see all their gears and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just not much like Star Wars. The most recent Star Wars trilogy is not the Star Wars that I grew up with. Like, it's not the Star Wars Mm -hmm. I identify with. Those are not the Transformers I identify. I identify with the original Generation 1 cartoon versions all the way up through the 1986 movie and maybe a little beyond that. So when I look at it, I come at it from a... He should be a, a Volkswagen bug. Like, that's who he was. And the fact that he talked was important because he was the link between the Transformers and Chip, the mm-hmm. human. Like, he was the bridge between the two, which yeah. makes him, uh, like, a super important person in the original lore of Transformers. And in this, he sort of is, but it just felt like it was a little too much. There was some booger sugar in that idea is what I'm saying. And <laughs> Do you think that – so you think that me. the – the live action Transformers movies are the phantom menace of the Transformers world no, uh, and well, onward only in that they are for a new generation. I think people mm-hmm. who maybe that is a good uh, actually. Yeah, here's why, because I think it's good for kids who are, this is like their big exposure to Transformers mm-hmm. and there are adults for whom that is really exciting because they have wanted since they were kids, you know, when you see th- something in comic books or in cartoons, you can't help if you really like it to imagine what it would be like if they made a live action version of it. So to yeah. see that carried out, and I had a little of that, like that was cool. It was good that Peter Cullen was the voice of Optimus Prime. I didn't mm-hmm. like seeing his mouth move because I'm used to the thing that was sitting over his mouth. Yeah. The little mouth guard thing. Like that, that is an essential part of his design. Like there's no, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But yeah. again, we're now for generations, or at least a generation, that's Optimus Prime. That's what they're used to. doesn't make it wrong because it's not what I like or what I'm used to. But that made it a lot more difficult for me to enjoy it and a lot more difficult for me to get into any of the subsequent movies. And I haven't seen them in a while. I've heard Bumblebee is fantastic. I just haven't. I was so disinterested in the Transformers films that I just wasn't interested in seeing another one, even yeah. though I hear it's good. I'm sure I'll watch it sometime. I loved the first one. Okay. Just because I think Shia LaBeouf is so charismatic in that movie. He's so good in that. He's such a good actor. But I get it that you want to be very sacred about the original Transformers because of the sacred mission that the Transformers cartoon was on, which was simply to entertain children and for no other reason than purely to entertain children were those cartoons made. Yeah, they never even mentioned the toys. Isn't that yeah, weird? Yeah, it's weird. So weird. Thanks, Reagan. <laughs> you want me to throw one out? Yeah, what you got? Let's see. Oh, here's one. What's that? It's sometimes known as the Paragon Panther. Mm-hmm. The film was based on an actual person. His name was uh, Count Louis Zborowski, who custom made his own cars based off of Mercedes. The car is called the Chitty Bang Bang. And yeah. It's Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I feel like that's like an essential movie car. Yeah. I'm going to be honest and tell you I have not seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Right. But you know the car. Tell me the specs of this car. I know the car from the box. And I've heard the Sherman Brothers song. Again, it's based on... By box, I mean the VHS box. It's like this custom car. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen it either. I just know it's it's an iconic movie car. The fact that I thought of it without having seen the film... 
I feel like that movie is one that wasn't. Am I confusing that with your love of bed knobs and broomsticks? Correct. That's love fair. bed knobs and broomsticks. Yeah, that would be a bed. She By the way, a motorcycle with a sidecar. I saw I saw a meme the other day that made me think of you. It was like if you were born between these years, mm-hmm. it was. I think it was like. 73 and 79 no nobody else understands your obsession with bed knobs and broomsticks <laughs> and i was like that is perfect that you fit exactly in yeah. the middle of that window and i was like well, oh my god this is this meme was absolutely meant for how you know if you were born in any other year and you can listen to the age of not believing and not yeah. feel something then oh. i feel bad for you that's I never all. want to reach the age of not believing, my friend. Yeah. I will never reach the age of not believing. Yeah. That's like a powerhouse performance by Angela Lansbury. Yeah. It's a She's amazing. And David Tomlinson. So we've got on our list right now, mm. we've got Lightning McQueen. We've got the Tim Burton Batmobile. We've got Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. We've got Herbie. What else do we have coming out of that list? You want one more? Yeah, I got one. I want one more. I'll give you one more. Okay. Imagine the whole thing of this car is it gets stolen. And if you're going to steal a car, you want to make sure that you're not stealing a car from the boogeyman of assassins. I'm talking about the 1969 Ford Mustang owned by John Wick. Oh, stolen from him. Yeah. Look, stop messing with that guy. Yeah. He's had enough. He's had enough. Leave him alone. Just let him hang out at that weird murderer hotel and do his thing. The Continental? The Continental. It's a very flashy, fancy murderer hotel. Yeah, you can't kill people in there. That's like a, that's a neutral ground. All right, one Uh, more. I got one more, one more, one more. All right, you got one more. What's your one more? One more. more. Uh, There's a little known fact about this car. Mm -hmm. If the odometer gets too high... Then mm-hmm. you just put it in reverse, and the numbers will hopefully roll backwards. Oh, is, is this uh from Paris View? Yes, the 1961 Ferrari owned by Cameron's dad. The man, I think, I think my favorite shot in that whole movie mm-hmm. is the valets going over a bump in slow motion. Oh, and yeah. just the, the absolute joy on their faces in that scene is so delightfully fun. Like going back to the beginning of the episode, though, I do have to point out that that is not the first thing I think of when I think of Ferris Bueller. Absolutely not. Probably the parade would be the first thing I think of. All right. There are three big movie cars that we have not yet talked about. Okay. I thought at the beginning of the episode, I thought that. uh, Oh, wait. No. Shut your mouth, Mark. What? Ken brought up a very good point. I actually have a second one to add to this. Okay. How can we do this without talking about Fozzie's, uh, Fozzie's Studebaker? Studebaker that gets painted by the electric mayhem? Oh, that's right. A bear in his natural habitat. A Studebaker. I would also oh, throw in right. um, happiness hotel bus. Is a bus a car? Are we counting a bus as a car? I don't know. Is, is it a Conaline a car? Fair. Do you have the glass? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have the glass. I do. Too, I the think I have the, that might I might have the full set. Maybe the only one I'm missing is Miss Piggy crashing through the stained glass under my. I may need to go. I may need to go online and order a full set of those Muppets oh. glasses. They're honestly, great. honestly, dude, don't do that. Go to like the Rose Bowl. Go to oh, people will have it there. Anywhere there are people who are selling them, and the thing is, like, if you buy them in bulk, don't pay the price that's on the sticker. Mm-hmm. They will make a deal with you, especially if you're buying multiple. 
Oh, okay. Because I was going to gonna buy the whole set. I did the same thing with my old Garfield glasses from when I was a wow. kid. I found them at the Dumbo flea market in New York and loved them. All right. There's three more cars that I want to talk about. And I think these are big guns. In fact, I thought going into this that they were the three biggest guns, as I said, knowing our particular fandoms. You want to count them down in the order that you would think they would be three to one? In the order three to one? Uh, yeah. Yes. So what is your number three? My number three is uh, it's got cap steering, cap transmission, <laughs> cap shocks. It made the drive... 106 miles to Chicago with a full tank of gas and half a pack of cigarettes. When it was dark and they were wearing sunglasses. And then at the end of the movie, promptly fell apart in one of my favorite car visual sight gags. Maybe the best visual gag with a car of all time. Oh, wow. This is, of course, the Bluesmobile from the movie The Blues Brothers involved in the greatest police chase of all time. It was made bigger in Blues Brothers 2000. They did an even bigger version of that police chase car pileup scene, but there was nothing funnier than the original version of that. Yeah. For as dry as those two characters are, mm -hmm. that car is wet. That car is pure slapstick silliness and it's Yeah. So, I mean, they just, they, it's just a giant loudspeaker strapped to the top of a beat up old cop car. Yeah. I mean, it's super iconic. It's mm -hmm. hard to think of the movie without it. It's an integral part of that film as well. Yeah. So it certainly deserves consideration. The finals, I would put the love bug in this spot as well. I think Herbie should be, I would make it a final four and I would put Herbie in there. I don't think Herbie's an also ran. No, I don't think Herbie's an also ran either. And you know what? Now that you mention it. Herbie is slapstick comedy quite often as well. Mm -hmm. You know, squirting things and popping and, things yeah, and flipping and things purpose. and, yeah, it's like and a, doing it it's on like purpose. Buster yeah. Keaton of cars. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It may be the, okay. Is Herbie the Charlie Chaplin of cars because mm -hmm. he's more active? The Bluesmobile uh, yeah. may be the Buster Keaton of cars because everything happens to it. I would say that the Bluesmobile is like the ultimate comedy prop. Yeah. Because even Buster Keaton, you know, he was doing something. Things are happening around him, of course. He's, but I would agree that Herbie's much more of a Charlie Chaplin. I think that's a good, yeah, that's a good point. Oh man, that just made this harder. All right. I know what number two is. Okay. Number two is a 1959 Cadillac Miller Meteor that people think is a hearse, which would make sense if, before the Ghostbusters to be driving around. It's not a hearse. Are we, of course, of, no. are talking, boy, we're talking about the Ecto one. The Ecto-1. Can correct. you do the siren for the Ecto-1, Hal? Yes, I can. Uncanny. So good. I think the Ecto-1, it's one of those silhouettes that you just immediately know. It's You 100%. look at the silhouette and you go, that is the Ecto-1. And talk about a sight gag. Mm -hmm. The idea that these scientists have, or that Ray, Ray Stance, the car guy among them, Ray and Egon, I assume, put this car together. Ray got it working and mm -hmm. Egon added all the stuff to it. Would that be fair to say? That's a fair did assumption. Paint job also. And Ray, Ray did, did the paint, paint job, job for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Of That's course. A very Ray stance thing to do. It's so good. I would say now you, you work at Universal. Yeah. I was at Universal in December for my day job for our team outing. Oh yeah. Did and you go was, to Grinchmas? No, we didn't really see it. Like we went around the big tree at least. and stuff. And I noticed that the windows are closed. Yeah. So oh, like, so here's the thing. What's um, going on there? So the, oh my gosh, dude, it's been six months, right? Okay. So they're like, we're doing some refurbishing on the building. 
They're right. closing down New York Street. They're closing down the window show on New York Street. They're like, it's okay. We want everybody to still be working, which is great of Universal to be cool like that. They're like, we want everybody to be working. So we're going to put you down on the street with no microphones. So no mics on the street as atmosphere performers. So they had to get bottoms for all of the characters because for those who don't know, my longtime job since 2006 has been sitting in a window on New York Street at Universal Studios Hollywood and playing a Brooklynite hanging out of the window of a Brooklyn brownstone building and chit chatting and busting the chops of the people on the street below. So this wall went up around our New York Street proper. And so we were all down on the street for a while and they told us they were like, we're refurbishing the building. Like, okay. And we looked, not a lot of stuff had been going on. It didn't seem like a lot was happening. Then the wall got bigger around it. Mm-hmm. Turns out they didn't even tell us, do you know what happened there? And do you know what is there now? Well, uh, oh, how? I saw it looked, what is it? It's not like Inception. It's some, it's some weird, like, this is like a whole area. What What is it? It is now. Secret it Life is of Pets? Now, no. Secret Life of Pets is the whole other New York street, okay. but everything is uh, everything is pet centric. Uh, no, what they were doing on the bottom floor is they were building the Power Up Cafe, which is the new Nintendo Cafe that is currently having its soft open, opens officially a week from now. And we just, in a couple of days, the window is going back up into the window. The wall is down. They've soft opened the restaurant. I encourage anyone to go check it out. Not to buzz market my day job, but right. it's a lot of fun. So you're going to be up above the Power Up Cafe? Yeah, up above the Power Up Cafe, which is going but to be very weird. They did it based on that scene at the beginning of the Super Mario Brothers movie, mm-hmm. where that's where they are. They're plumbers in Brooklyn. Yeah. And they had the characters leaning out the windows. Mar- uh, Mario's parents are leaning out the window talking yeah. to him. So they uh they decided to take our show and mix that with Nintendo. You know. And now it's a cafe. That movie was fantastic. That I've not really seen it yet. Movie. It's good. Yeah. It's really good. How's Chris Pratt's Italian accent? It's interesting how they deal with it. Okay. I'll put it that way. Great. All right. So uh what is the final of the three cars? that I thought were going to be our finalists, uh, or not our finalists, but that were going to be the ones that we talked about based on, yeah. again, knowing that we are Second City guys, that yeah. we are nerds for a lot of the same, let's yeah. call them Touchstone VHS era movies. Not that they're all Touchstone, but that is a genre, I think. And we may have talked about this on the show or just in life. Uh, Steven Skaya referred to Blood and Treasure and the vibe that we were going for as being Touchstone VHS as a genre of movie, which is like 80s action with a little comedy, lots of fun. That's kind of a genre of movie. And uh, knowing our proclivities, that was why I had set these aside, because I knew we sure. would talk about them as opposed to us bouncing back and forth, throwing out ones that we thought were finalists well look we've talked about a lot of good ones the reason why i brought up universal i'm glad i did because i loved hearing all that information that was fantastic the reason i brought it up is you worked for a long time when they were doing the blues brothers show you would see the blues mobile every day pull up it was yeah. part of it that's exciting yeah one year i think at new york comic-con the ecto one was there we saw the ecto one with ernie hudson standing next with to it ernie right hudson next to our there. signing table yeah and we were super excited about that it was amazing now there is another car that I got to – I went to Wizard World Minneapolis years ago. Mm-hmm. Our friend Blake Garris was working for Marvel at the time. Sure. I was there doing a Night Vale show. 
And he was like, oh, hey, you're in town. Let me get you a pass. Come be on this panel. And so I was walking around the floor. And what was there but the DeLorean from Back to the Future? And you could take a picture with it, which I did. And I, I have never been more excited than to sit in the cockpit of the DeLorean and to see the time circuits and to see the flux capacitor behind you. And they have the hoverboard in there and the sports almanac. Like that is, there's just no better movie car. Like there's a reason why we haven't talked about it. I yeah. bet a lot of people, if you ask them off the street, this is the answer you would get. If you just said, yeah. what's the best movie car? I think a lot of people would answer this. You might hear some of these. Other I would ones, say but... 80 out of a hundred would say it. Yeah. It's the number one movie car. It's absolutely. Here's the thing about the DeLorean from back to the future. Let's talk specs and okay. let's talk specs and let's talk evolution. Because in the first movie, that car runs on plutonium. It doesn't, it runs on electricity. It's, it runs electrically. Gasoline. Gasoline also. And oh, and gasoline as well. The actual, the, the way it travels through time, it requires plutonium to travel through time. That That's powers right. the flux capacitor. Right. The flux capacitor, uh, uses, well, it uses electric, it uses electricity, but it needs one point, how many? 21, 41? 1.21 gigawatts 1. 21. Of, of power. That's what the plutonium provides. Right. And, because plutonium was apparently only available through the black market of Libyans that were living in Hill Valley or happened yeah. to be in Hill Valley with plutonium, they adapted for the next picture. Guess what? Or even for the end of that picture. Now it ran on Mr. Fusion. The whole car ran on garbage. It was mm-hmm. a time machine. It would hit 88 miles per hour. You could plug into the time circuits, the flux capacitor. The silhouette of the car is perfect. Mm-hmm. With the out of time, even the license plate, out of time license plate, the big uh, thrusters on the back. It's just, it is iconic. It is perfect. I just saw Back to the Future on Broadway last week. Mm -hmm. And it is the star, with apologies to Roger Bart, who was brilliant as Dr. Emmett Brown. It is the star of that show. And I've never seen special effects like that on stage. Wow. Yeah, it's Come on, guys. It's the, it's the perfect, it's the perfect best movie car. You knew it. You knew it when this episode began. Yeah. Look, people of the world, if you're going to travel through time, you might as well travel in style. The best movie car is the DeLorean, 1981 DeLorean with time machine parts in it, the flux capacitor. It's been modified a ton of times. It can fly. You can put it in front of a train to make it travel through time. It is the best movie car. You cannot have Back to the Future without it. It is just a number one. Like, there's no, you thought of it. You're like, why aren't they talking about it? How come they're not talking about it? Well, yeah. we are now. There Guess really what? much to say. Yeah, we saved it till the end for a reason. Yeah. Here's three words I'll say about it. Asked and answered. Boom. Yeah, I got two words I'll say about it. Serious. <laughs> <laughs> that probably got bleeped. Oh, <laughs> uh, this topic is closed, but there are many more topics to discuss. So please reach out to us via email at we got this podcast at gmail.com or give us suggestions. Keep piling them in at facebook.com slash group slash we got this podcast. You can talk about your favorite movie cars, but well, our list is running thin. We can come up with our own topics, but we want to hear what you want us to talk about. I love when people come in who are new to the show and they suggest stuff that maybe we've already covered because they get to go back and listen to it. But that's no reason not to give us topics 
I would, as a fun hint, if you want to pick up and put on the show, you don't want it to be so specific that they're just something that you think about. But if you want us to talk about a specific thing, be specific in what you suggest, because if there is any ambiguity, it will not go the way you think it will. Sorry, Doctor Who fans. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> Facebook.com slash groups slash We Got This Podcast. Thank you to Ken Plume. Uh, here's a clip of him talking about his Patreon. Fair. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Ken Plume. Thank you to researcher Kate McManus, graphic designer Uri Kilman, and QA engineer Jen Alba. And thanks, of course, to our musicians, Jonathan Dinerstein and Mike Furman, for our score and theme song, respectively. And thanks to you, the people of the world. For once again, as always, sticking around with us, joining us in this conversation, having a ball with us, giving us a reason to get together and talk about stuff that we love. To you, I say, we're going to keep making them. You keep bringing us the topics. We'll keep making the episodes. And as long as that community is going strong, we are happy. It's the friendliest place on the Internet. And that's all thanks to you, the people of the world. Also, Max Fun Drive 2024 is coming up. We'll have more details about that soon. To you, I say thank you, thank you, thank you. For Hal Lublin, I'm Mark Gagliardi. For Mark Gagliardi, I'm Hal Lublin. And don't worry, everybody. We, we got, got this. this. We got that this. Was terrible. Dog. It was great. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.